0: Good Thursday, everyone. We are looking at the fourth perspective of the baby that was born in Bethlehem. We saw the palace perspective from Herod, that he was a king. The prophetic perspective from the angels, that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the people's perspective from the shepherds, that he was a Savior. And presently, we're looking at the personal perspective. And this is the perspective of Mary And her perspective of him was that he was an inward presence. There was a conception of life within her. This baby was part of her. He was growing within her and affecting every aspect of her life. Now, this is a perspective that is missed many times. But this is one of the greatest aspects of knowing Christ. You see, the other perspectives are more outward. He was a king. He came to set up a spiritual kingdom. He was the son of God. He was God manifest in the flesh. This doctrinal truth is so vital and so important. But it is still outward from us. And the third perspective, that he was our savior, is again so important. I mean, it's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of salvation but it is a provision that has been made for us that we can enter into by faith. But this final perspective is different than all the rest. This is not an outward perspective. It's an inward perspective. Mary wasn't looking outward on this child. She was carrying the child within her womb. There was a conception of life within her when the Holy Spirit overshadowed her and she became pregnant with christ we saw how this affected every part of her being it affected how she felt and how she looked and how she walked and how she ate and how she slept it dominated every aspect of her life and so it is when we come to know christ we accept him as our king we accept him as the son of god we accept him as our savior but the final culmination of all of this is that He lives in us and He changes us and He transforms us. Just as much as Mary was transformed physically, Christ in us transforms us spiritually. Colossians 1.27 tells us that the mystery of all of this is that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And so as Christians today, If we have missed this aspect, we have missed so much. And I feel bad for many people that are Christians that have accepted him as King and have accepted him as the Son of God and have accepted him as Savior. But somehow they've missed this aspect that Christ dwells in them through his Spirit. I'm reminded of the story in Acts chapter 8 where Philip, one of the deacons in the early church, went down to Samaria, and it says he preached Christ among them. And in Acts 8 and verse 6, it says, And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. And it says in verse 14, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, I think what this story is illustrating to us is that there is a final aspect where God's Spirit fills us. You see, these people in Samaria had believed what Philip spoke, and they had accepted Christ as Savior and were baptized, and there was much joy in the city. And yet, in this particular story, it tells us that they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. And Peter and John came down that they might be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think that being filled with the Holy Spirit is this dimension, this personal dimension of Christ being in us, transforming us. Now, I believe, of course, that that happens at the moment of salvation, of regeneration. But to live in it, there seems to be a pressing in that we need to have in order to experience the fullness of it. Now, what is this? Well, Jesus talks to his disciples about it and tells them what's going to happen after his resurrection. We find in John chapter 14 and verse 16, he says this, I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now, this was somewhat confusing to the disciples and it can even be to us today. But I want you to to see this because this is so important for us to understand this aspect. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. He came to this world in a human body and it was to accomplish a particular task, to lay down his life a ransom for many. But he promised that when he ascended into heaven, that they wouldn't be left alone, that there would be a comforter or a helper, one that would be with them. In fact, in this portion saying he will be in you. And he says, you will not be comfortless. He said that one is with you and shall be in you. And then he says, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. And so what does this mean? Well, here's how I would explain this. Jesus was God because the Spirit of God dwelt within him. And he came to accomplish his mission. And so when he said, he's with you, but shall be in you, I think he's talking about himself. He's with them now, but he's with them in a human body. But he says, it's better for you that I go away. In other words, that I ascend into heaven, that I am glorified. And I will send to you a comforter, a helper. What was that one that he was sending to them? Well, it was the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. It was the Spirit of God that was within Christ. He's saying the Holy Spirit is with you, but he shall be in you. And when I am glorified in heaven, the Spirit of God will come and dwell in you. And in that aspect, I will be in you. And the Bible says in other places, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is in us through the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is in us, the Father and the Son is in us because they are inseparable. The Holy Spirit dwelling within us is God dwelling within us. Now, this is so different than any other religion. Other religions have doctrines. They have teachings. They tell us what we should do and what we shouldn't do and how we can live a better life here on earth. And many of the moral teachings of other religions are good and proper. But Christianity alone says it's not you on your own trying to do this. Not you trying to live by rules and principles. The Bible tells us that Christ comes and is going to live within us. And he's going to write his laws on our heart. It's not trying to keep external laws outside of us in order to please God. But when we accept him and receive the forgiveness of sins, he then comes and dwells within us. His spirit comes and dwells in our spirit. Just as Mary carried Christ in her physical body, we carry Christ in our spiritual body. And we become one with him. Just as Mary was one with his baby after the flesh, we become one with God after the spirit. We are spiritually reborn. There is a conception of life within us. Now, John picks this up in his epistle, 1 John 5 and verse 11. He says, and this is the testimony. This is what we're telling you. This is our witness. This is the truth we want to tell you, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. The only way you can have the life of God is through Jesus Christ. He has given us eternal life. Now, this is another dimension of life. We have a physical life, a natural life. All of us that are living on this earth and breathing, we have a a natural life. But God says, I want to give you a spiritual life, another dimension of life. And it has a quantity in that it's eternal or everlasting. We're going to be forever with the Lord. But it also has a quality of life. There's a a better life to live. Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. There is a quality of life that he wants us to experience. It's a life that lifts us above the downward pull of our carnal nature. It's his life within us. He writes his laws on our heart, and he gives us an inward desire to do the things that we ought to do. Just as the baby that was within Mary caused external changes in her body, so Christ, when he is born within us, causes changes in our conduct, in our outward expression. Galatians 5 and verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the fruit of God's Spirit being in us. So it's not a matter of us on our own trying to be more loving, trying to have more joy, trying to have more peace, trying to be more long-suffering. No, The Spirit of God comes in us, and as he grows within us, the natural fruit that comes from that is all of these aspects. And so just as a tree could not produce fruit on its own unless it has life, a dead tree does not produce fruit. But when the sap is flowing through that tree, it will naturally produce fruit, And it is a growth. As the tree matures and grows, fruit comes and is produced. This is so vitally important for us to understand. This is the power dynamic of being a Christian. This is the personal aspect. It's not just outwardly what you believe. That is important. But the final combination is that Christ comes and dwells within us and changes us and transforms us from the inside. We'll talk more of this tomorrow. I'm Ken Miles. Bye for now. Life in Balance is a ministry of KW Christian Fellowship. We are located at 1000 Bleams Road in Kitchener. We would love to have you join us this Sunday for one of our services. The times are 9.30 and 11.30.